welcome to another episode of Ask Danny. Well, I tell you, over the years, I have been asked thousands of home improvement questions. So each week here on Ask Danny, I'll bring in one of my expert friends and we'll tackle some of your questions, share a few tips, and also tell you a few entertaining stories to help you out with your project. So remember, next time you have a question, Ask Danny. Well, my guest this week is Brian Santos, also known as the Wall Wizard, and he's here to chat a little bit about painting tips and some pretty cool methods he's learned over the years. Brian, um, welcome, and uh, why don't you tell our listeners uh, a little bit about your background, and uh, uh, don't be shy about bragging a little bit. Let's hear all about it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks a lot, Danny. I appreciate it. Well, number one, thanks for having me on the show, but Um, As the wall wizard, I'm a fourth-generation painting, wallpapering contractor from the San Francisco Bay Area, had a very successful um, installation and application company. Um, I have a teaching degree, uh, a business degree, and also a chemical engineering uh, background. And so I'm an author for Better Homes and Gardens and written and co-authored over 14 books on the subject. And probably the most popular that most people recognize is Painting Secrets, which is really designed to help the do-it-yourselfer go through the process of painting and have success. So um, thanks again for having me on the show, and it's always nice to share this uh, information. Well, you know, uh, painting and wallpapering and different aspects of working on walls is really still one of the biggest do-it-yourself-friendly projects out there. And and this and in this day and time where, you know, the materials have gotten so expensive for so many things, painting is still a very viable um, ROI on your home improvement dollar because, you know, you a, a can of paint, even though it's very expensive these days, can go uh, a long, long way. And with that, spray painting. I mean, it is so different nowadays with all of the different paints that are available now for for successfully painting plastic and fiberglass and things like that. So the the, Mm -hmm. the spray paint cans and the availability, uh, that aisle is getting bigger and bigger. But what about some of the tips that you've learned over the years with just regular cans of spray paint, some of the do's and don'ts and tips to make that a little more successful? Okay, biggest tip I can give, honestly, is read the instructions. Um, there's a lot of information. I know it's teeny, teeny print, but, um, you know, one of the things that's so critical about doing, uh, using those products is the right preparation. Don't uh, spray in the sun. Clean the surface correctly. Make certain that you're, hand, you know, handling the can correctly at the right angle. So a couple of things that I like to pass along right off the bat is shake the can. It, it, it typically takes anywhere from 30 seconds to two minutes to get that rattle inside to really start moving, that is critical to get the materials mixed thoroughly and the aerosol to project the paints out of the can correctly. Uh, The other thing, too, is I like to get a spray can handle. Uh, This snaps over the actual top of the can, and when you pull the trigger, it's like a gun. It actually depresses down on the spray um, nozzle, and it puts out the material correctly. So those are some real critical ones is just to be able to handle materials correctly. Other things, too, is it's better to do two thin coats of material than one heavy. This really prevents any type of runs and drips. It also allows the chemicals, which are the aerosols, the vehicle, we call it, to evaporate enough to allow the second coat to bond correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the kinds of things that most amateurs they just think it's you know one and done and away you go. But it's better to do thin coats and and build up the finish than to 
to try to put it on too heavy. Yeah, I certainly agree with that. That's the case in so many situations. And, oh, boy, that handle, it, that can save us. It's amazing how cramped your hand can get if you're, you know, say, trying to, like this time of the year, you know, you, you a lot of people are redoing their patio tables and so forth. You might use three or four cans in order to successfully coat um, that outdoor furniture like you want. And uh, so having that handle is a good one. I'll tell you another one that I learned many years ago that, that uh, I think works very well is once you finish spraying in that can you have a little bit left turn it completely upside down and just hit it a shot so that that really clears that nozzle out a little bit i found that that has really been successful in being able to use that can again later on yeah absolutely yeah because what's happening when you turn it upside down the aerosol the heavier solids go down the aerosols are the top so it acts like a a blowout basically and that's a really good tip i've used that many times and it really can help also the um, the nozzle from getting clogged up over time. You know, and, and talking about other kind of spraying, uh, I'll, I'll tell you something that um, my daughter Chelsea has found out on our television show, um, a small little consumer-friendly HVLP or high volume low pressure sprayer and it's something all of the pros that have really gotten into some really fine trim work spraying trim work spraying cabinets they know all about HVLPs but explain to our listeners a little bit about that and some of the you know some of the applications that it works really well in I, I love these things. Um, now, I'm also the director of education for Fresh Coat Painters, which is a natural for, national franchise. We have about 180 franchises. So I teach about 1,200 painters. And one of the things that we love is HVLPs. Mm-hmm. And what they're designed to do, it's almost like an airbrush. They're designed to atomize the material, and you can control the amount of the flow of the material and the pressure. Now, for the consumer, Wagner sprayers are probably the best, and you can go to any Home Depot, any, um, uh, and you can find them off the shelf. And the idea there, and, and they come corded and cordless now, which to me is even better because oh, yeah. if you're trying, yeah, you're trying to do cabinetry, so you want to get around things. Um, but they have many ones that uh, that you can use. The one that I found that is probably the best, and that we even use semi professionally, uh, uh, is the Flexo paint sprayer, and that's the one that is um, corded and cordless. It, it is a cup sprayer, and you can dial the amount of pressure in, and it has a trigger. These are anywhere from 75 on sale, 79.99 to 120. Mm-hmm. And for the do-it-yourselfer, um, especially doing cabinetry and furniture and things like that, this is probably one of the best. Now, little caveat, you, you have to maintain it. You have to clean it out. Um, and it, it's a very important that you follow manufacturer's instructions and flush the, the gun out properly. But I've had one that's probably 10 years old, and I love doing doors with them. Um, it's quick, it's easy, and uh, it gives me control. That's what I love in, in that is the control. And, and I'll tell you, when you're talking about cleaning that sprayer, absolutely, that's so essential for to make it last and perform the way it should. But, boy, it's a good idea to do it the minute that you finish painting. <laughs> Don't let it sit there out in the sun for 30 minutes and then expect to be able to clean it very it's, it's that's, that's a good one to get right after it, just like cleaning paintbrushes. Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, if, if we, I mean, we're using terminology, maybe if people don't understand, but HVLP means high-volume, low-pressure. And again, this is the ability to control the the thickness, the viscosity, the the pattern, the the actual tip. And one of the tips that I use, uh, 
speaking of tips, is that I like to flush out my gums using a little bit of fabric softener. Huh. So, yeah, what I found is that you can buy, you know, these type of chemicals, but what uh, a fabric softener is, is um, a surfactant. And what it does is actually lubricate a little bit inside of the diaphragms and so forth. So uh, typically for like a quart, what I do is maybe put about three drops in. It's not a lot. And this helps flush out between coats as well as it helps lubricate the inside. And it's just a good way to maintain the seals, which are little rubber gaskets, all the things that go into it. So getting a little too technical, but I tell you, that's a great tip. Oh, that is a great tip. I tell you, it's funny how much fabric softener shows up in different painting ideas. I know that what you're one of the great things you shared with us many years ago is the wallpaper removing recipe, and that had fabric softener in it, and uh, and that's something that we recommend people go to todayshomeowner.com and check out all the time. Brian shared this great recipe that'll save you a lot of time when you're removing that wallpaper. Well, moving on to bigger projects. Okay, we've got a fence out there. It's looking kind of bad. It's going to take forever to roll or brush that fence. What about a homeowner heading to the rental store and renting an airless sprayer? What would you recommend if someone's considering that? Yeah, um, typically, like at a home detail rental uh, place, you can find them. And what I do like about renting them is they maintain them. Uh, if you go out and buy something that, that can be at an expense that anywhere from $500 to $1,200. That's not something everybody's going to use. But rental, yes. Um, so a couple little tips. Number one is get enough of a machine, and that, this has to do with the volume flow, and that's what you need to ask for, um, having to do with an airless machine. Um, the other thing, too, is when you do use a machine, follow the instructions. Usually it comes with you know some sort of um, pre-written Even ask the person behind the desk to give you a demonstration of how to use the machine. Mm -hmm. I think this is going to save a lot of time and frustration, uh, the other thing, too, it's important is to prime the machine correctly. Uh, and, again, that's where having you can go through all these verbal instructions, but having someone show you, this is show and tell. And it, it really does save a lot of time and energy. Probably the other thing, too, that's very critical in doing like a fence is to clean it properly first. And so using like a depth brightener and um, just basically a garden hose to get all the algae, the grease, the grime, the, the oxidation off of the fence before you stain it or even paint it is critical because the paint is only as good as the surface it's bonding to. Now, we don't need to use any type of primers or anything because deck and, and stains um, and, and fence stains are designed to penetrate into wood fiber. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. and there's also clear coating, there's what we call semi-transparent and even solid stains that can actually homogenize or even out the um, irregularities of the paint. So, the, the real important thing is to keep moving. And one other tip that we always recommend is what we call back brushing. So, you've sprayed the stain on or the paint and it's important to have somebody go, so it's a two-person job, is to have somebody go with a brush behind it and work that stain or that paint into the surface 
to really agitate it and make it bond correctly. So those are some semi-pro kind of tips. But, boy, I tell you, that makes a big difference in the net-net result on the, the work you're doing. And, boy, that's when you can break out that big 4-inch or 5-inch or 6-inch brush, <laughs> maybe maybe one in each hand, and just walk down that fence. <laughs> that's, that's good. I love that. I, I get the visual image, of, you know, almost like Danger Will Robinson in the, in the, in the, uh, exactly. the robot going up and down. I'm thinking <laughs> so, yeah. the same thing. Hey, if you have a question about your home or just need a little help with the project, head over to todayshomeowner.com slash ask. Use the form there to send photos, share what you're working on, and ask us any question at all. So um, I know by by now a lot of our podcast listeners are, are inspired, thinking about all kinds of things they can paint now. But moving inside to one of the biggest questions that we get on today's homeowner is about painting cabinets. And how gratifying is that when you have a kitchen that looks old and tired, like something like the old tired stained cabinets of the 70s and 80s, and you walk away from it after a little bit of due diligence there and a little bit of work and, and so forth, and you end up with this great modern looking off-white or off-gray type of cabinet so just just quickly kind of the step-by-step and some of the little tips of things to avoid for homeowners that are considering painting their cabinets gotcha for one thing let's just get a baseline to replace a kitchen is anywhere from 20 to thirty thousand dollars so painting is definitely cost effective Um, it's only as good as the surface that you're preparing so right now a lot of people are going from oak cabinets or, you know, stained cabinets to white, grays, blue, um, like islands and things like that, that have a little pop and a little character. First thing that a homeowner needs to understand is if they're going to want to see the grain or not. All woods have a grain. Um, Most people, if if you don't point it out to them, they don't notice. But I always caveat that because um, you can go through all this painting and all of a sudden you look at it and go, well, I see the grain. It's like, well, did you want that taken out? This is where a professional painter is really important because mm-hmm. there's a lot more steps involved and so forth. But for the DIYer that just wants to give a little refreshing, here's a uh, pretty much what we call the SOPs, the standard operating procedures of how to do it. Number one, clean the surface well. This is critical to get the grease, the grime, the fly boogers, all the stuff that, you know, from when we cooking, the spaghetti sauce. I like to use a product called uh, Simple Green HD. This is an alkaline um, uh, cleaner. You can use like a Scotch Bright pad, and what we do is we call uh, this technique wet cleaning or uh, wet sanding. And what this is designing to do is to break down the grease, and also by using a Scotch Bright pad, it lightly sands it at the same time. So it eliminates a lot of dust because that's one of the things. Now the other thing that I like to do is I rinse it then um, as I'm cleaning. I will rinse with 91 proof rubbing alcohol. Now, this is sort of a critical step because it does, uh, once you've cleaned the grease off, we want to wipe off that grease. And rubbing alcohol is a natural degreaser and deglosser. It evaporates and forces the moisture out that might be in the wood, which is critical. And what it also does is it evaporates very quickly so that now I have a surface that's really sterile and ready to receive any type of primers. And that's the next step is we're going to lay down some sort of a primer. Um, depending on if it's a lacquer surface or if it's a painted surface, I would really recommend that you go down to your uh, Home Depot, ask the, the professional behind the counter, uh, tell them or even bring down uh, a drawer front or a cabinet front, and they can do some tests and, and be able to see you know, what, what that is. 
But priming is important, and yes, you can spray it. I always recommend two thin coats. It sort of gets back to the spray can. Uh, lightly stamp between coats. About 300 sandpaper is good. Wipe down between. At this point, we can really, between the two coats of primer, that's when I do all my spackling. Um, and here's a little tip. If you have cabinets that are floating cabinets, do not caulk between the, um, the floating panel and so forth because that can actually crack and, and the wood needs to expand and contract uh, through normal you know, humidity mm. in the house. Mm -hmm. So that's a, that's a critical little step. At that point, again, light sanding, probably about 400 grit, and then apply two even coats of your paint, and you're done. And, of course, you've removed um, – you can paint in place. One of the tricks that I'd like to do is if I have really good hardware, I'll use rubber cement to paint over. After I've cleaned all the hard uh, the uh, wood surfaces, I use rubber cement, and this is inexpensive. Think about it, liquid masking tape. Right. And sure. this mm -hmm. way, yeah, I can – and then afterwards, I just peel it off and I preserve. So take down the handles things like that, and it gives you opportunity to reset. Um, if you are going to reset hardware, particularly hand pulls, I always recommend using Bondo. Um, don't use wood filler because every time you slam the door, it can rattle that uh, mm -hmm. plug out. And so I like using a, a epoxy like uh, Bondo. But these are the basic steps. Um, it, it, it's I just actually redid my uh, kitchen about a year ago and during the pandemic. And um, it, it was a two-day, three-day process, and uh, it looks like a million bucks. Yeah, and it can remain very, very durable if you use the right paint and the right steps. And, and all, you know, if you're not spraying the cabinets, go ahead and treat yourself and buy a very good brush because you mm -hmm. want to minimize the brush strokes, and you don't want a cheap brush that you're just going to throw away. Get you a really good quality brush to work with that. Well, Brian, moving on, I wanted to ask you, what do you see as one of the biggest mistakes that homeowners make when they tackle any paint project around their home? Oh, gosh, I think with anything, it's preparation, 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 and then also um, to protect. Uh, you know, it's amazing how uh, paint will splatter. If you're spray painting, the dust will waft through the house. Um, if I'm sanding, I want to make sure I put a, a filter, a new filter in my HVO, my uh, AVAC system mm -hmm. so that I don't get dust blowing through the house. Um, I like creating containment systems where I'm plastering it off. So the more that you can contain and control, uh, the better the results. And be sure you're cleaning between steps. Um, that's where a lot of dust and debris can get into a paint project, and the results are not as good as they could be. Yeah, great advice. I understand that completely. Okay, we always like to ask our guests, if you have, you've, you've been out, out there on many, many jobs over the years, the funniest, scariest or most unusual story that you can share with us right now? I'm sure you have many, but what's one that kind of stands out in your mind there? The one that just strikes me and always tickles me is that I was um, on this project, and we were painting um, a, uh, a front door, and we had a little step stool, and we we're working on this door, and all of a sudden, we're, I'm starting to, to actually spray this. It was red. And I turned around, and there was a kitten that was sitting on the 
uh, ladder. Uh-oh. And basically, yeah, exactly. I'm moving, and it swiped at the thing and jumped, and all of a sudden there's paw prints now. And because it's red, it scared it, and now we have little cat prints running away. <laughs> oh, 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 boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Talk about, okay, 10 minutes it was a pleasure and an hour and a half trying to clean this oil-based paint off the driveway, and oh. the cat is just terrified. Uh, so those are the kind of things. <laughs> you know, so lesson learned: be sure the pets are put away when you're doing a painting project because you know they're fascinated as well as we are, and uh, sometimes they act upon that fascination. So <laughs> and and with that oil-based paint, that go that uh, those paws probably still are red, no matter how old that cat. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. We ended. I think we ended up using lacquer thinner, and we ended up using muriatic acid to try to get it oh, off. Oh boy, and we did. We did get it off. And, and anytime we have something like that, do it while it's wet. Yeah, quick. Wizards yeah. work wet. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, a little last piece of advice for someone that's been listening about painting. They're thinking about it. One little um, extra nugget there that you can share with us. Oh boy, um, I, I think I sort of said it. Wizards work wet. Is is really. Uh, materials, particularly paints and so forth, they work best because they're going from a liquid to a solid. So one of the things that's really critical is, especially like rolling walls and so forth, have someone cutting in and someone rolling. And what this is important is keeping what we call a wet edge so that the paint, it basically creates a film that's consistent and the color is consistent. With that, also, when you're uh, rolling with a roller, the last stroke you do it should always be in the same direction. This is called napping or laying off. And especially with darker colors, we want to make sure no M's or W's with that we're basically laying the material in one direction so that we get the proper sheen and the right effect from the color. Well, I've certainly seen a lot of homeowners make that mistake and just trimming everything out and then taking lunch. Then they come back with a roller and they go, wow, what happened? So great advice. Yeah. Brian Santos, thanks so much for being with us. Now, where can people find out about the books and more information uh, from your wonderful career? Well, thanks. I appreciate that, Danny. You can go to thewallwizard.com, and it has a link to some of the books, particularly the Secrets books, and it talks a little bit about my touring and so forth. Also, freshcoatpainters.com which I'm on staff there. And if you do need a little bit more professional advice and maybe a professional painter, uh, there's where I would rest to go because you're going to get uh, the wall wizard and all the, the teachings that I have um, with a professional painter there. Well, this has been great. Like it always is when we have you on either the podcast or the Today's Home on a Radio Show. Really appreciate it, Brian. Thanks, thanks so much, my friend. Thank you. I'll see you soon. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Ask Danny. Hey, I'd love to hear from you. So I hope you'll take a moment to leave a review and follow this podcast. I also invite you to visit todayshomeowner.com slash ask where you can send me any photos, ask any question, and let me know what topic you would like to hear more about. So remember, next time you have a question, ask Danny.